every behavior is an attempt to solve a problem, even if it's not the best solution. Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, biz leaders. Thank you for taking the time to join me today. I am happy to share the conversation that I had with a very good friend of mine, Irene Pace. She specializes in helping people discover what drives their challenging eating behaviors and basically craft a new relationship with food. I mean, I I took this episode to heart as I do have some, some cravings, some bad habits, but basically Irene... Through her own challenges with food, she developed her own method, which has helped hundreds of clients from doctors to entrepreneurs change the way they relate to food, open doors to change they relate with their body, other people around them, and reach a major inflection points in their personal and business lives. Irene wrote the book, Eat Like You Teach, which is an Amazon bestseller that helps people who find themselves struggling with food and use the PACE method to find the path forward. This episode is brought to you by Slingshot Communications, the business leader's preferred cloud phone service. Without further ado, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Irene. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm super, super excited to have you join for the listeners out there. Irene and myself actually known each other now for almost almost two years now, and we we, we shared um, the opportunity to be in a, in a mastermind together and learn together and grow together, doing like um, live streaming um, campaigns and, and really getting good. So, but I really want to invite Irene onto the show to talk about what she does with business leaders and with her business and go from there. So Irene, actually, before I keep, t- just just stop <laughs> me, but if you could actually for yourself, introduce yourself to our listeners, tell us, you know, who you are, what you like to do when you're not, when you're not, you know, growing or leading, reading, leading people, leading business leaders. Yeah, for sure. Well, I uh, professionally trained professionally as a registered dietitian. So in the healthcare space, when uh, all of the work stuff for me started, which feels like forever ago. And along the way, discovered some things about the way people relate to food that shifted the way I practice around the work with food. So it's still in the health and wellness space, but a long way off from my clinical days in trauma hospitals and working with patients in really acute situations and more working with leaders now, entrepreneurs, folks who uh, make a difference in other people's lives and helping them to get to the bottom of some unproductive eating behaviors. So that's where work has taken me. Um, on the personal side, I am active. I like to travel. I'm a field hockey player, still uh, enjoy doing that. And um, yeah, just enjoy like the masterminds we've been in opportunities to connect with awesome people with big visions as well. And that's, that's a little about me. 
Yeah, no, that's awesome, Irene. And I know, I know your journey has been shared um, on stage, but I love it if you could share, you know, with our community, our listeners, you know, what brought you um, here, you know, to help others who are challenged with their eating behaviors, like you said, you know, and creating a new relationship when they consume or how they consume and how they, how they live their life. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, when you look back, you can always, you can often think about the points of inflection or where things shifted or where something changed. And for the work I'm doing now, it was a moment of really high stress and challenge in my personal life that led me to the work the way I'm doing it now and to discover some of the things I, I, um, I have now. And it had a lot to do with uh, with food. So surprise, surprise, I landed myself in a situation where I was using food for uh, coping uh, to look after some really high stress. And one epic ride home, drive home from a friend's house. Gosh, how long ago was it now? Several years ago now, I found myself just inhaling donuts and uh, eating in these really impulsive, crazy ways in the car on my drive. So it was a 40 minute drive home from a friend's house. And if anybody knows the highways here in uh, Ontario, Canada, there are Tim Hortons donut drive, drive, (laughs) you know, stops all along the way. And on that particular drive, I was dealing with some heavy emotional stuff in terms of my personal life um, marriage was breaking down, work was not feeling aligned anymore. One of those kind of moments where it was like, everything felt so heavy. And I found myself pulling into the donut shops and ordering, ordering some donuts, Mm -hmm. eating those things. And, and it wasn't so much the, it wasn't so much what was happening, but the energy behind it was so intense that it really had me pause afterwards and look and say, listen, I have all of this education about what to eat and what not to eat. I spend my days helping people not do exactly what I did in the car that night. So what's the missing link here? There's got to be more to these counterproductive behaviors we engage in with food than just knowing what to do or having the right meal plan or understanding nutrition. It, it can't be about that because I had all of that knowledge and I still landed there. So that was a big pivot point for me to then explore the work I'm doing now, which has a lot more to do with the psychology around food and your relationship with food and, and your nervous system and how we interact with food from that lens. Yeah. And we'll, we'll definitely dive into that. And, and I could definitely relate even on the lens of being a runner, someone who runs or someone who's very, um, I guess the choices I make now when it comes to my food, like I have a, I come from the Filipino background and you go to any Filipino party and it's a lot of meat a lot of pork and you know consciously i as myself and maybe as a family we cho- we choose not to eat meat anymore i'm not saying we're veget we're not full ve- vegetarian or vegan but we've tried it um but there are those times where it's just like you know i just want to eat junk food uh, yeah and what is and the- then and 
Yeah, and what is it? And then, then you have this overwhelming guilt, right? Because you've chosen this late, you know, healthy lifestyle. You're a runner. You are a leader. You are a role model. But why am I yamming all these donuts? Or for me, it's chips. Yeah, yeah. Everyone has <laughs> right? their thing, right? That's your thing. <laughs> yeah, but I do like my donuts too, right? But I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I won't eat more than one because it's, it's heavy in the sweet. But I, I do have that. So it's interesting how you do that. And we'll dig into that. And is that where, you know, where you start talking about like this, you know, when I, we were doing the research and looking in when you're talking about the human bio behavioral system like where where are you finding that's coming from uh where the where the research is coming from or where um yeah just this this drive or the psychology or digging deep into it yeah so we have we we have a huge amount of our biology that's dedicated of our anatomy that's dedicated to these networks of nerves that innervate all over the place so from our from our um, from our brain, down our spine, out into our heart, our lungs, all our major organs, our muscles. And when you look at that amount of space in our human body dedicated to this system, it kind of says this thing has to be important, right? <laughs> Just by nature of how much of it is there and where it's, where it's innervating, what it's connecting with. So when we look back through our evolutionary history as humans, this system has evolved over time as we have evolved. And the most primal part of this system is, is born out of a need for survival. So survival, it, it prioritizes survival. And survival meaning survival right now, not survival down the road because you haven't gained weight or survival down the road because you're worried about heart disease or any of those things. It's right now in this moment. Is there danger? Is there threat? And what do I need to do to bring myself back to safety? And safety meaning not, um, not not actual safety, but emotionally in, from your nervous system, the sense of feeling safe. So what we, what I've kind of come to understand through this work is in understanding this nervous system and what it prioritizes and how it works and then how food interacts with this system, we can start to start to see that there's a predictable response that shows up when certain types of stimulus are introduced to the system. So let me give you an example. If if um, if we look historically that you've come around the corner and then, you know, the saber toothed tiger is going to jump around it and potentially eat you and your family, your nervous system sees that coming before your awareness, your conscious senses do. So it's already got its feelers out. It senses something's amiss. You get this flood of energy into your system to fight or flight and run away from the, the threat. It's a survival mechanism. Now, fast forward to today, we don't have saber-toothed tigers jumping out from around the corner, but if we have a system that's primed to react to those things and then stay stuck in this stress response, this fight or flight thing, we need to find ways to calm that down to disperse that energy. And one of the things that works, surprise, surprise, is food. So when you eat, you get this regulating response in the system that has a calming effect in the immediate sense. So we introduce food as a way to shift that state, that nervous system state, bring ourselves into a calmer, more regulated um, um, state in the moment 
of course, long term, it's not always the best solution. But in the moment, that's all your nervous system prioritizes is I need to get something to regulate right now. And food does this in a bunch of different ways. So we reach for food. And it's actually an adaptive survival risk. It's born out of this adaptive survival response. It's not something that's bad or wrong or broken in us, which is where the guilt and the shame and the why do I do this comes in. It actually makes sense from a nervous system point of view. Yeah. And that's interesting. And what's coming to mind, Irene, is, is this concept of comfort food, um, something that you will grab when you're sad, depressed, maybe happy. I mean, it doesn't have to be comfort. Even when you're happy, a celebratory, like, hey, let's get some nachos and cheese and, you know, watch the football game, right? <laughs> like, that's, like, is is that sort of related or am I in left field? No, you got it. Left field, the football reference there. Um, <laughs> baseball, baseball reference. Um, so no, you're, you're absolutely right. That's exactly it. So comfort foods, um, it, it's a calming, it's a calming. So the way this system is trained is it is trained through experience over time. So your nervous system learns. You can think of it like, like AI or something, right? It learns through experience. Mm -hmm. So from your early childhood days and your experiences with food in that part of your life, you were shown a relationship with food, either by witnessing it with in, in your family of origin, by experiencing it, by having food given to you, say, as reward, or you saw people in your family eat when they were stressed, or food was scarce, so you learned to have a drive for food in a way that um, has shaped your nervous system response to it. And over time, you continue to build out that relationship with experiences. And so at some point in your life, you learn to use food in that way as an adaptive response to something. So it was this brilliantly adaptive part of you that has learned to use food like that, not the broken part of you. It's a part of you that's actually smart and able to survive. And so what the beauty of that is in terms of understanding the system is shaped through experience is that it's continually shaped through experience. So there's the window now in your adult life to unpack and unlock and understand what this is about. And then through new experiences, you get to reshape and repattern these responses in your system. But you can't do that if you're not aware of it. If you don't know what's going on, if you can't make the connections that make sense looking back. So that's a big piece of the work is starting to look at where does this make sense? What are the reasons that make sense that I would be behaving in this way in response to this situation? And then how can I repattern or rework the system, give the system new experiences now that allow me to reshape the way I respond in future. Yeah. I, I want, I definitely want to dig in, but I just wanted to ask or make a comment as I think of the programming or the experiences or the habits that I'm creating with my young daughter who's six years old. And I feel like, Irene, she's always asking for a treat. So, you know, from what, from what I'm hearing is like a lot of, a lot of these responses or this nervous system response starts 
maybe at this age where my daughter is. And not that I'm trying to foreshadow or predict what may or may not happen, but like we're – you know, do I see my daughter looking for lollipops later when she's either happy or sad, right? Like this is this is basically where it starts, right? Yeah, it, it is. And you're right. You're not wrong. And I mean, of course, we don't need any more parent guilt. There's enough of that around in the world. We can feel no, no, I, I'm not I'm not guilty. I, I mean, Irene knows me for those of those things. I, I'm not I'm not going to put that on myself, but 100 percent. Yeah, it's, it's something that I could probably try to guide. Yeah. And, and you know. I use food as a reference point to this because that's the work that, that I do in terms of looking at, um, looking at counterproductive behaviors with the nervous system lens and food is the area of my expertise. But really this rolls out into all kinds of other behaviors that we use in that same kind of way, right? Anything you reach for with that impulsive energy that feels out of control or it's a behavior you know you want to change, it's counterproductive to your longer term goals. But for whatever reason, in the moment, you find yourself driven to engage in this behavior all of those things fit in this category. So thinking about your daughter and, you know, those who are listening with children or even just your own experience and wanting to reshape it. If you think about what, um, here, I'm going to, I'm going to go into a tool here because sure. I think it relates really well to this. So when you have the, the first piece of beginning to understand this system is awareness. We have to see what's going on. We have to become aware in our own life. What is, what are the things that activate us into this state? What are the triggers here? Mm -hmm. And only then can we start to work with what's available. So I have this tool that I created as part of the method and it's simply called greet the pull. So when you feel that pull. And when I say pull, a lot of times you can think about that thing you feel pulled to, whether it's food, whether it's your phone, whether it's alcohol, whether it's work, right? The workaholic kind of pull, um, anything that you feel that kind of pull to, the, the practice is to greet it. Like say hello. Hi, there you are. You can be funny about it. Hi, I see you pull. There's the thing. And in that action, you're bringing your, you're bringing it into your conscious awareness. You're taking that moment to recognize, Hey, I see this thing. I'm aware that I'm getting this drive and it's showing up and I'm allowing it to be there. So instead of fighting it, which is what we normally do. So we feel the pull and we do one of two things. We either go and respond to it. So if it's food, it's like, I feel the pull and I go to eat the thing Mm -hmm. or I struggle or I struggle not to eat the thing. You kind of go down one of those two paths. This is introducing a third option, which is you greet the pull and you're creating this moment of pause and allowing it to be there. And you bring yourself into awareness in that moment. So for your daughter, I mean, you will have the eyes on this for her. When you feel, when she comes to you and says, daddy, I want a snack, that would be a moment for you to recognize, um, okay, something's going on here. She's feeling this pull. So here it is. Hello, pull. We're going to just see and now take a bit of a scan of what's going on. What's the, what's the situation? What's the place? What kind of food is available? What people, um, what people is she around? Did something stressful just happen or is something, something stressful just coming up? Is there a reason that she would be dysregulated because that pull to food 
would show up because food is going to calm the nervous system. So it's a learned behavior for that. Um, the other thing is hunger, true physiological hunger is also a pull, which is mm-hmm. your nervous system says, Hey, the system needs something here. We activate a little stress response and says, go and eat. So in greeting the pull, part of it is to identify what type of hunger is here. Is this physiological hunger? Like I need food. Is this head hunger? Like I think I need food for some reason. It's a learned behavior. I always have, I always get a treat after daddy's done his podcast or whatever it is. Um, Or is it emotional hunger? Like I'm hurting in some way, like me in the car with a million donuts and sprinkles everywhere. Right. I'm throwing food at that emotional thing. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. And, and I, there's probably a good, <laughs> I mean, there's probably a good aspect of all, all each of those, especially with a young, young human, but she is growing. So I should be aware that maybe her body needs the food and she's always asking, but there is, there is some routines or some habitual asks, like when she's watching. I find she asks for things when she's doing nothing and watching. So that, so that, that, that's, that's the greet. I don't think there's any stress, uh, stress eating yet in my daughter at this point of her life. I don't think I have recognized that yet from, from your explanation, but I, I do appreciate that. I guess just pulling into, to leadership and business leaders and I'm wondering if you could share from your experiences and your thoughts when it comes to, you know, our relationship with food and how does it impact, you know, our decision making? How does it impact our focus, our flow, our way to show up, uh, show up our best selves, not only in our business, but, but in our lives? Yeah. You know, food, food impacts the way you show up, uh, on a broader sense in terms of how you feel your physical health over a longer period of time. It also affects your really your decision-making in the moment or how you're able to show up in the moment, which is something that I think people, as I say, it may recognize in themselves as we talk it through, but maybe haven't given any intentional thought to that. If you have a food that creates, for instance, inflammation in your system, so these are like sugary foods, um, certain types of high fatty foods, fried things, um, refined carbohydrate kinds of foods. When you have a food like that and you get a little kind of microinflammatory response in your body, it impacts your ability to focus. It impacts that you get, you can get foggy. It impacts your, um, it, it creates a little bit of a stress response in your body. So this nervous system we're talking about senses in three different places. It's constantly sensing. You can imagine it's kind of scanning, like spidey senses are always out there. It senses within your internal body environment. So what hormones and chemicals and things are going on in here. What's my body temperature doing? It's, am I hungry? Am I thirsty? It's checking inside. It checks outside in the environment around you. Like, you know, is the saber tooth tiger going to jump around the corner at me? So it's sensing out there and then it's sensing between nervous systems. So between yours and mine, like right now, our, our systems are recognizing, Hey, I know Edwin's face. He's familiar. This guy's safe and comfortable. I can relax and be here. Um, if you were, if the look on your face shifted and you had like an angry look all of a sudden or something like that, before I'm even aware of it, my nervous system would pick up on that. And I'd get this little shift in my, um, 
in my stress, my stress response would be activated. So same things happen when you put foods like that into your system. So in the moment in your day, shortly after eating food like that, your ability to focus and your ability to show up as a leader in the way you want to is slightly compromised because you've got this, you know, this activation in the nervous system running in the background. And if you've also got other stress as a baseline, then these little moments can be even more impactful if your baseline level of stress is already high and now you're putting these activating foods on top of it and you find it really hard to focus or you find you're shorter, right? You're snipping at people or you're um, you're not able to slow down and really think through some of the decisions you need to make. So that's one of the ways that in your day it can really show up in your in the way you lead. Um, both at home and and in the office. Yeah, and, and it's and it's very interesting because, you know, I don't know if it's applicable anymore. But you know, growing up, it's you are what you eat. Um, you know, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're eating something bad because, you know, with our nervous system or being in autopilot and not recognizing these triggers. You could go for a very long time in this cycle, right, Irene? And I know this is probably where a lot of your work comes with, you know, working with your clients and business leaders is like because they've identified now something within their life and it starts with food, right? Or something, maybe it's a self-reflection or maybe they've tried working out and it's still realizing that they're eating something incorrect or something is there, right? Am I, am I on, on the right path there? Yeah. I mean, certainly a lot of the clients that find me that the story goes something like there's this internal dialogue that's, that creates a lot of frustration that, listen, I'm a smart person. Like I led an entire company through COVID. Why can't I say no to a bag of chips at night? Like, what is that about? This is crazy. I don't, you know, like this doesn't make any sense. I, I identify as someone smart and capable and I can solve all these seemingly extremely difficult problems. Why is this food thing beating me again and again and again? And listen, you know, entrepreneurs and business folks, like if we set our mind to something, we can do it for a short amount of time with mm-hmm. food, right? So you you hear the stories or see the social media posts or whatever. With fully great intentions, people dive into, I'm doing this fast or I'm doing this meal plan or I'm now going to work out every day for so, so 21 long. 21 day challenges <laughs> or whatnot, right? Right, right. Yeah. And there's, those can be valuable if you layer some of this on top of it. If you, if you layer in and say, listen, I, as I learn or get to know about what's underlying here, I have this nervous system. We all do. We have this biobehavioral hardware on board that reacts in predictable ways. When I get stressed, this is how it shows up. Here are the different levels of this nervous system. And, and that's probably a bigger topic than we can get into on, on the call today, but you can understand, you can get to learn the nuances of how the system works and it's predictable. And so you build out a map, which is some of the work we do with clients. You build out a map of how your nervous system responds to the stimulus that are typical in your life. And you get to predict what comes. And then you can do the work of reshaping it. So a 21-day something, if you were to do that with this lens, you would say, okay, I'm doing this for 21 days to give my nervous system a new experience of this thing. So every time I 
go to do the workout or I feel the pull to food and I go to eat, I'm greeting it. Hello, there it is. I'm tapping into my consciousness and getting aware of this thing. And I'm giving myself permission to do it a different way and know that I'm now adding I like to use the idea of a catalog. If you can imagine, you have this historical catalog of experiences. They're all there, right? The same stimulus happens. Your nervous system goes back into the catalog and goes, okay, this happened here. And this was the response. I, this is the response we did and we survived. So let's pull that one and do that again. So this is how we get in the default pattern. So as soon as you add new things to the catalog, you're now building it out with new experiences. So you can reshape the way that that response happens. Now, when that new thing comes, it's it's more focused at first, but over time it becomes, hey, this is the newer part of the catalog. I'm going to pull this thing and this is the new relationship I have to that experience, that person, that situation. And it runs the new program. Yeah, no, that, that that's such a great analogy, Irene. I definitely could relate. That's how my catalog sounds. <laughs> <laughs> My clients know when I do the little, we're going into the catalog and pulling. I love it. I may may use that in the future. Um, But I'm curious. I'm curious because, you know, everyone who joins me on this podcast, you know, they're business leaders, they're entrepreneurs, you know, um, creators. And they also have, they're always looking to improve themselves or build up their business, build up themselves. So are you curious, what are the current practices that you are doing or something that you're layering on or adding to your catalog um, currently um, that you could share with us? Yeah, I, um, I use, I, I use the tools I, I created for clients all the time. So greeting of these pulls, whatever they are. So I'm in a place where I've cataloged all kinds of new great things around food. So my pull to food feels like one. I can see it. There it is. And, um, I don't have the, you know, inhaling donuts response quite the same as I did before. Um, but, recognizing what patterns, um, for me, certainly my phone has been a thing. Uh, uh, you know, we, we cycle through this, you and I were joking about the, you know, our, our children on the phones mm-hmm. and like mimicking our behavior. It's like, Oh no. Um, so the phone and using that phone is the same kind of pull, right? It, it's the rhythmic nature of scrolling a phone hits that same pleasure and reward center in your brain that food does and helps regulate you. So it's a solution to the same problem. So when I feel that pull to or recognize I'm doing that, it's like a greeting, greet, greet it, um, take a moment of pause and tune in and say, what's going on here? What am I asking this to do? What's the situation? What's the environment that might have created some kind of stress for me? And then permission to make a choice. Do I want to continue doing this? Do I want to do something else? Um, so that that's an area of growth that I'm kind of focused in on right now. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that's, you know what I was thinking about with the phone and stuff. I, I was in a conversation recently and one of the responses probably for the nervous system, these smartphones are so beautiful now. The colors are so radiant. There used to be, and I haven't, I haven't looked, but there used to be a way to turn it to grayscale. So when you look at your phone, it's boring as hell. Get your information and you're out. But I think as my own personal daily challenge or what, or, or hello, happy, beautiful looking <laughs> phone, 
Um, <laughs> you know, recognize that pull because it it is a thing, and it is something for me personally. And I know we're you know digressing, but it is a it is the pull. But I do. I, I am becoming more aware of the, the habit and the pull that's happening automatically with the, with phones right now. I, and it's not to say that I'm surprised about it because we've been told about it. We know about it, but I find myself catching myself with the pull. Like, I'm like, Oh, I see this pull, yeah. but now I can, now, now I have this tool from Irene. It's like, Oh, hey, pull of the phone. Beautiful, amazing. <laughs> who, who, who loves me on social media? Right? Like, it's so many pulls there. We, we could talk about that just, uh, just, 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 uh, just that alone. But, um, but I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, and the phone is a beautiful one to compare to food, Edwin, because the tricky thing about food is that you have to eat. It's not like you can stop doing the thing, right? Like, like alcohol or smoking or some of these other activities that you think we can just not just as if it's that easy, but you have to navigate the relationship with food every day. You have no choice not to. Um, and same with your, your phone or your technology or it may be phone, not the same, but from a business point of view, you probably would have a hard time being without your phone. So you have to, you have to evolve the relationship if you want to, um, set aside some of these counterproductive behaviors, um, to move, to move that forward. So food and phone and some of those things are similar that way. Yeah. Hunter. Well, I mean that, that one just brought it all full, full circle for me and to really recognize the type of work you're doing and, and, and these, these crutches or these pulls, right. That, that's, that, that challenges all of us. Um, and, and just that awareness I think is, is the huge shift, the huge change in terms of leveling up as a business leader, showing up better and understanding, you know, how we could perform better and then get focused and, and obviously bring it through the life. But Irene, you and I, I mean, inside, but you and I could talk forever. Uh, I'd love it if you could maybe share a final thought, maybe one thing, one observation, ideally actionable recommendations that you could share uh, to, to those who are listening today. Yeah. If in your leadership role, if someone on your team or someone in your family or or someone in your life is engaging in these seemingly counterproductive behaviors, it's worth asking yourself to take a bit of a pause and recognize that every behavior is an attempt to solve a problem, even if it's not the best solution. So there's an underlying reason that is born out of adaptive place that has them doing that behavior. And this one's really important, even in yourself, to recognize that these behaviors are adaptive. They're the part of you that figures things out and problem solves. It's now probably just an outdated solution, right? You are a person with uh, more resources, more autonomy, a greater range of skills and, and, and um, tools at your disposal to solve things for yourself. So you can now upgrade the way you have adapted to that thing. But thinking about it as being a bad or broken part of you or someone in your team saying, why did they do that? Something's wrong with them. My invitation to you is something is right with them that they found that thing to solve a problem in the past. And now is a time if you can get to the bottom of what it's about, you can begin to reshape what that pattern is. So this tool of the pull and just even the, the compassion that comes from a place of recognizing we all have this same system and it drives us all in different ways that from outward eyes can seem 
counterproductive or hurtful, but is born out of a place of adaptation. So um, that lens, I think, is one that would really can really help just shift the way you approach people with their hard things in your leadership role too. Yeah, amazing. Irene, it's always a pleasure. Can you tell us where we could find more information about you, these tools, and some of the programs that, that, that you have? Yeah, best place to find me is on my website, and that is Irene, I-R-E-N-E, irenepace.com. So I-R-E-N-E-P-A-C-E.com. And from there, there'll be resources and some downloads on there that you can you can um, access and then Instagram is probably the most active social media place you'll find little videos with tools and these kinds of That's things to, to think about yeah for sure and, and we'll in, in for those interested we'll definitely put it in the show notes below so definitely click there Irene it's an absolute pleasure thank you for joining us on the business leadership podcast thanks for having me Edwin that's it, Biz Leaders. Thank you for joining me in another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. This was episode 170 with Irene Pace. Such a great conversation. I really love connecting with my friend Irene. And one thing that she mentioned was when when basically we reach for a food, it's an adoptive survival response. But she did say something that it's not bad or wrong. It's just how we relate to it. And it's everything as I find myself habitually going for some mid-afternoon snack. Sometimes it's something sweet. Sometimes it's salty. But there's something that triggers me. And I I really got to start taking note of these triggers. For more information about Irene, her book, or any other resources that we shared, go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 170 or click the show notes below. Please do share this episode with three like-minded friends who maybe need to hear this conversation with their relationship with food. Let me know. Tag me. Tag me at Edwin100X. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to know what triggers you have. Or I'd love to just say hi. So definitely tag me. I am pretty active on LinkedIn and Instagram. Again, it's Edwin100X. This episode was brought to you by Slingshot Communication. It's the business leader's preferred cloud phone service. And basically what I really like about the service is that I'm able to have my very own business SMS number. No more using my personal cell phone. I mean, in the past, it was very difficult to separate my personal and my work life because clients would be texting me on there. But now with Slingshot, I have my own work phone number that I could use to make text messages, phone calls during off hours and weekends. I don't reply. I don't even turn on the app. So I don't see it. And it just makes my life easier. I can separate work and personal life. But to learn more, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash SMS. By the way, if you haven't done so yet, please give the show a follow and leave a review and comment on your favorite podcast player. I do love reading those messages. But until next time, do your best and have a 100x day. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Help me.